0: Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Fully Delighted podcast. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at SMCC and one of the hosts of this podcast. This is season three of the podcast, and if you haven't been here with us in this season, we have been talking to people who uh, attend SMCC and have found SMCC to be a valuable part of their faith journey. In seasons one and two, we talk about who we are as a church, our mission, our vision, our values, our beliefs. Um, and what we are trying to accomplish here in Utah. But in Season 3, we took a turn to begin to hear from people uh, about how SMCC has really impacted them. And so today on the on the show, uh, I have Paul and Liz, and I am so excited about today's podcast. As always, though, uh, if you find today's content helpful or encouraging or interesting, feel free to leave us a review. Feel free to to share this uh, with someone else that you think would enjoy this as well. Uh, like I said, today on the show, we have Paul and Liz. Paul and Liz, how are you guys doing? Good,
2: good. I'm, I'm doing great. All Happy right. Happy to
1: be here. Good, Fantastic. Good. So good. Um, you dropped the kids off. You guys are here to talk. Um, you've been married. How long have you guys been married? Um, Ten almost, years. Yeah, it'll be
2: 11 years in July. Wow. This year. That's
1: a good chunk of time. Yeah. Um, awesome. You've been in Utah for how long?
2: Um,
0: Forever for me.
2: Yeah. (laughs) She's been here forever. I've been, uh, oh, geez, all over the place. My dad was in construction growing up. So here, Idaho, Montana, several times. Um, I was in Montana when we got engaged and moved back here just before we got married. So I've been technically in Utah for now 12 years.
1: Awesome. Now, the thing that I think is going to be so interesting to our listeners is that uh, Paul and Liz, you guys grew up in a polygamist environment, and I think for many people listening to this, many people uh, moving to Utah, or just people in general, they're fascinated by this. I am very fascinated. I do not know very much about what this is like, um, and so I am going to ask so many questions um, today. Uh, I'll, obviously, I've seen the shows on like TLC, like Sister Wives and things like that. Yes, um, we know all of those people. You Okay, well, we're going to have to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> um <laughs> I've been at Hobby Lobby. I've seen the people walking around in the dresses with the hair up. <laughs> and, okay. the and the sweats underneath. In the sweats, yeah. If you live in Utah, you've maybe seen those people. I, there's a oh, You probably know those people. Uh, maybe you wore those things. I don't know, Liz, if you grew up uh, wearing that. Um, I want to talk about that. Also, I live out in Eagle Mountain, and on the one side of the highway, if you're out there, um, there are, I don't know what to call them, but polygamous communities, polygamous homes, where there's three front doors and one big house, and it's not a townhouse it's not a triplex it's one home I guess with three families living in it I don't know how to describe it
2: yeah yeah outside they call that they call that compound okay uh, with uh, with quotations there but I mean really it's just they they have uh, what they like to call orders okay so that's what you're seeing across the way like there's different United orders that share got it. In that on the streets in that neighborhood. Wow. So we're going to spend in this uh,
1: episode a lot of time talking about the ins and outs of polygamy. I think that's really interesting. And then at the end of today, we'll, we'll get to why you decided to leave that community and why you call SMCC your community. So, um, Paul, I guess we'll start with you, man. Where where did you grow up? Um, what was it like growing up in a polygamist uh, family, I guess is maybe how I would say that.
2: Yeah, so... Um like I said, my dad was in construction when I was younger, so we moved around quite a bit. Um, he got he got a steady job um, working for a dealership in Salt Lake, but at the time, like he had three wives and going on, geez, probably like fifteen kids at home. So, wow. what number were you like? A, like, how do you even count the numbers? Like, I, I, I per- <laughs> Lizzie, probably knows more. Uh, The number of siblings that I have, she has to remind me, like, if I'm counting them out, she'll Uh be like, hold on, you forgot this one. It's
0: only because he (laughs) keeps getting new ones. Yeah,
2: yeah. I have one younger than my youngest. Was your mom the first wife? My mom is the second wife. The second wife. Okay. So I'm the, I believe I'm the seventh child. Oh, wow. Out of twenty. Six? 6 yeah 26 26 and three wives or more now there's more now there's okay. four now there would be five but okay. the hit my my dad's first one left okay um when like very shortly after he married the other two
1: interesting
2: wow i have so many questions about all that but i want to let you keep telling the story <laughs> okay so uh so yeah continue yeah so um he uh so he was kind of the only breadwinner my mom was uh cleaning houses, but didn't make like a ton of money to be like buying homes. So um, we kind of were our own family unit, my mom and her five kids. Um, and then my dad and his other two wives, they both had jobs like, or they all three had jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was doing daycare in home. So they were getting like money paid in and like support mm-hmm. um, doing the actual service, not like government subsidies or, any, or anything like that, but like actually working at home. And then the other one has her own business, cleaning homes as well. Mm -hmm. So they bought a home and they were living in South Jordan. uh, But because we were kind of split up in a way that my family wasn't making a ton of money, we still, like my mom and and my brothers and sisters, continued to just bounce around. Okay. Like all over. Um, Yeah, so growing up, um, I went to like, between K through 12, I went to 13 different schools. Wow. So it's one of those things that I talk about, like, with my friends now, because my church friends now are friends that I've had the only consistent friends I've had for more than a year, like ever in my whole life, because we were just constantly all over the place.
1: And when it comes to FLDS communities, uh, fundamental Latter-day Saints, I mean, FLDS, is that the umbrella term for, uh, hey, there's a lot to, it's very nuanced. I might, I'm going to probably get this wrong, but are all people who are FLDS polygamists? Is that true or not true? I don't quite understand that. So,
0: I think FLDS itself is kind of a specific sect. Okay. Um, I think outside of the polygamous community, it is kind of the blanket term okay. for it. Um, I would say fundamentalist Mormons mm-hmm. um, are going to be the polygamist okay. communities. Got
2: it. Yeah, the only other offshoot that really, like FLDS it like basically adheres to the fundamentals, and then outside of that is like RLDS, and then... Even further outside of that are basically their own, the last name of whoever. Okay, gotcha. The so if
0: from. you were to meet someone who, say, like, grew up in the same church that we did and say that they were FLDS, mm-hmm. they wouldn't identify that way right? because they have their own... Like, each one is different, and mm-hmm. they look at other polygamous groups as, like... Not true. Yeah. Like, you know, they think they all have the truth.
1: Right. So, although polygamists lived near me, they're not technically FLDS because FLDS, do they usually live far away in their own kind of region or are there FLDS people living kind of around the valley?
2: Yeah, they're, um, so the bulk of them are from the all red Jensen, Thompson group, uh, mm-hmm. the, which is called the AUB, which is Got Apostolic it. United Brethren. Um, the vast majority of them are from there. Um, there's a few off, offshoots that are here mm-hmm. um, in the south end of the valley, but the vast majority of them are like way down south.
1: Right, right, down south, right, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so back to your upbringing, Paul, um, and Liz, feel free to chime in as well. How often did you see your dad? Because... Uh, Was he around often? Is he going to these other family
2: units as well? What was that like? So um, my dad did a pretty good job of being present for things, like for events. Um, But by rule, he only ever came home from work every third night. Wow,
1: that's by rule.
2: Yeah, like that's the standard. Unless there was something happening that night or someone was out of town, it was like every third night.
1: And, And the place where your family lived... The other wife and their kids weren't living in the same vicinity? Were they somewhere else in the valley?
2: No, they, yeah, they were somewhere else completely because we were, we were like here in Riverton mm-hmm. and they were like up in, uh, like right on the border of like South Jordan, Murray okay. area.
1: So the compound thing, like out in Eagle Mountain, where you have what looks like three wives living under essentially on one piece of property, that wasn't your, your story. Yeah, no, not Got at it. all. Now, did you know the other, um, wife, is that what you, you called her mom or aunts, or what was that, what did yes. you call?
2: so at home we just call them aunt, okay. and then whatever their first name is. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, they're outside of that, we would say to other people, they're our moms, it. but we call them aunts.
1: Okay, and so you knew them well, you just kind of were acquainted, and you knew their kids well, or were you just acquainted?
2: Um Yeah, so that's a, that's another thing my dad did pretty well. Uh, he made sure we were all together every Sunday, mm. um, whichever house he was going to be at that evening everybody was expected to meet there every Sunday and mm-hmm. birthdays we would always get together. So they were all like the oldest of that, the, of the, uh, the crew there is still like six years younger than me, S- maybe more like eight years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So I knew them um, and I knew them well, but um, they're also a, like such an age difference and being separate from them for so long Even now, there's not a lot that we have in common. Mm -hmm. Like they're still my brothers and sisters. I still love them. Like we still go over there and hang out Mm -hmm. in the same way. But there's a lot of the relation that we just don't have.
0: It's it's almost like an uncle dynamic. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. because of the age difference.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, Was there, you know, thinking back when the three wives are in the room on a Sunday? You know, when they're together, was there tension? Could you observe? Um, conflict or was this so normal that
2: it really didn't Um, think much about it? The tension is normal. Okay. Um, (laughs) honestly, it's, it's palpable. Uh, so like they can play it off really well. Um, but it's kind of like one of those things where if someone is in the house, like, uh, like we have guests over, there's a different air in the house. Like everybody's having a good time. Everybody's Mm -hmm. loving what's happening. But then when it's separate and all the wives are in the house, it's kind of like right a boiling kettle. You sure, know?
1: sure. Uh, Liz, let's jump over to you over to you and your story a little bit. Uh, where did you grow up? And kind of what? How many brothers sisters? How many wives? What was that like?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Riverton. Um, my dad had three wives at one point, and his second wife did divorce him um, shortly after I was born. I was probably like. I don't remember how old I was, Um, but we were kind of like unique in the sense that we were a smaller family. My dad and his first wife were both converts to fundamentalist lifestyle, and they moved from California to Utah because they joined the Mormon church. And I don't know how they, basically they kind of, started learning about who Joseph Smith really was and like kind of, okay, we're Mormons, but there's more to the story. And so um, that's where they kind of got into the lifestyle. So um, it's different than a lot of like generational families, like Paul's family, you know, like that's generational that they've been there and we were all kind of um, fairly new But, uh, but I was the eighth of 12 kids and we all lived in one house. So, um, all my growing up, it was my two moms and my dad and, um, yeah, kind of unique. Um, I mean the group that we grew in, I kind of explain it as like Mormonism with extra moms and like stricter Mm -hmm. rules.
1: That's so interesting. For a second, I want to process the origins a little bit of polygamy, because you mentioned Joseph Smith, um, and there's, you know, people can do their research around his wives um, and how he went about that, and um, I'm not an expert on that, but I've I've read enough to know that uh, you should probably do some research on that. Um, Yeah. So uh, when you say people converted to it, is it that they are, uh, that they... Want to emulate Joseph Smith? So they want to do what he did—is that that there's spiritual promises connected to more wives? What is the motivation for polygamy from the way that you see? It? I mean, if you were mm-hmm. to say this is the motivation for it, what what is
0: it? Yeah. So um, I mean, Joseph Smith was—he kind of introduced this concept of like eternal marriage, right? So when that was introduced, it was hand in hand with polygamy. So the new and everlasting covenant was you have X amount of wives. If you have three wives, then you get eternal marriage. Then you get an eternal family. It was the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's kind of where it's like the fundamentalists disagree. Basically the split comes from, The Mormon Church, no longer because of laws and because all these husbands are in jail, you know, um, for living polygamy, the pressure from society to change this way of living, um, basically the people who are still living polygamy, it's because they believe there was revelation that even though the mainstream Mormon Church is no longer practicing this, it should be practiced and it needs to be kept alive. Mm. Um, So the group that we were raised in initially, like way, way back in the day before I was even born, it was like they thought of themselves as we are keeping this alive, kind of like they're this one part of the whole Mormon church. Mm -hmm. Um, It has since shifted where they believe they have all the keys, they have the truth, they have the priesthood of authority. Um, so they have like a different mindset, but, but that's really why is because Joseph Smith, like eternal marriage was polygamy Mm -hmm. and they believe that has not changed.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So you brought up the, the legal side of all of this. Um, how are my neighbors out in Eagle Mountain, not my literal neighbors, but in that part of town, how are they continuing to practice this with the laws around polygamy? Is there a way that they're kind of getting around this? Is it just a spiritual marriage, essentially? Well,
0: yeah, so so there's not uh, multiple legal marriages, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just because of the sheer amount of people who are practicing polygamy in Utah, um, at some point, law enforcement, it was like okay, we're not going to enforce this the same way we would maybe enforce other things. Yeah.
1: Now, Paul, from your perspective, um, what was the motivation for polygamy? Was it, in your family, was it connected back to uh, eternal marriage, connected back to Joseph Smith and these things, or was there a different motivation or reason?
2: The the motivation essentially is that Joseph Smith um, decided that there was three degrees of glory that someone gets if they die... um, to whatever, like whatever marriage status they had achieved. Okay. Um. So there's the t- celestial kingdom, which is where if you did all the if you followed all the rules, and you married multiple wives, you go to the celestial kingdom, which is where God resides. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you're close, but like you say, you got married once, and you couldn't fulfill all your duties in the priesthood, then you go to the ter- the terrestrial kingdom, mm-hmm. um, where it's like like God can come visit on mm-hmm. occasion, but it's not as great. You don't get all you want. Mm-hmm. And then there's the telestial kingdom where basically you're without it, but it's still okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's,
0: it's like paradise minus God. Yeah. yeah. So you get heaven, but sorry, you just don't get a, yeah. to see God. As if that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, when I uh, we lived in Lehigh for a while and we still like to go to the Lehigh uh, pool it's there in you know in Lehigh and um, I'll never forget it one day my kids were out front at the Lehigh pool and there's a statue of a man and uh, and on the ground um, there are the names of all of his wives and my kids are like who what are all these women and uh, their names like who are they and I remember thinking this is very interesting I'm not in the Northwest anymore you know mm. Um so this is something that's that was celebrated in your community growing yeah, up. That yeah, the more the merrier, essentially, was the perspective. And, and and so I saw all those names, and I thought this is so interesting. Um, so the the Mormon Church did break with this officially, and that was because of the pressure, Liz. You were saying yeah, legal pressure. Yeah, legal pressure. Okay. Um. So what did you guys think about God growing up? So um, and then I also want to get into like. What's a child's experience in a polygamist environment? But but first, let's spend time on the spiritual question. Mm-hmm. So you went to church on the weekends. You guys went to the same... You did say you met at church, correct? Yeah, yes. yeah. same yeah. Same church building. We call it the building. You, you. Okay, yeah. So you would drive from Riverton to the building, or you drive from wherever you guys were living to the building. Is that... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, got it. So it wasn't like the building was on the, the compound, although that can happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm just trying to connect all the dots because... It's pretty rare to meet people that are open and, <laughs> and honest. I really do appreciate this. Um, so you're going to church. Uh, are your parents talking a lot about God? They're talking a lot about spiritual things growing up or not?
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, my parents... My dad was super into talking about God. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I say God in the... Like, the version, the Mormon version of God. Um, but... A lot of talking about God, a lot of talking about Jesus, but no talking about sin. Okay. No talking about like any real struggles. And it's tough because I mean, we have kids and I, struggles can be like tough to talk about anyway, just Mm -hmm. as humans. But when you have a household dynamic with, like two women, you know, in my case, two or more. Mm-hmm. Um, like Paul said, like the tension is constant. You know, you can imagine. Um, and so it's like every single thing is on eggshells because this, if you set one person off, like it can be a bomb. So, so like as a kid, it's just a lot of kind of avoiding, uh, stirring storing the mm-hmm. pot or avoiding um yeah setting anything off
1: like don't be seen don't be heard like stay yeah. out of
2: the way like some of that type of yeah keep the appearance for sure yeah. I think one thing um Lizzie Lizzie will attest to this as well one thing we especially don't talk about is the cross like mm-hmm. that's not a thing like um there's a saying um <laughs> when uh we used to like when people talk like why don't we wear crosses and stuff like that it was like well, if someone shot your brother, would you wear a necklace of the gun? Right. You know, it's like that that sort of thing. And so I think...
0: Well, um, and my dad said that to me. And here I am, like, genuinely asking, you know, this question. And that's his response. And then I find out as an adult, like, oh, that's a canned, just, like, response that is ready to go. So it's not really about, like, getting to know. Like, I never felt that it was important for either of my parents to get to know me. Mm. It was more like, here's the standard of what we need you to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So you either live up to it or disappoint us. Um, You can make your choice. I mean, my dad was big on like, you make your choice at the end of the day, but it was still like, choose what you should or disappoint me, your Mm, choice.
2: Raising your righteous children is also like one of those celestial kingdom goals. Now, growing up, did you imagine
1: that you would be just one wife in many? Did you envision that or did you think something's missing? This something's wrong about this. Like what was your what were you thinking growing up? Like, yeah, I'd just be married to a person that had multiple wives as well, or what?
0: Um, yeah. So I never had the desire for that. I do know like a lot of girls I grew up with would talk about, oh yeah, I want to be a second wife or if you're a third wife, there's like no pressure. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so just like the different, you know, things or or people would be like, well, yeah, I'm going to live polygamy, but I definitely want to be a first wife or, you know, those sort of things. I never really saw that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved God. I wanted to love God. I wanted to please God. Um, and so I kind of left it open um, at least, you know, it's, it's funny because when you're, it's such a small community, right? And if you go outside of that, you know, if I were to talk to a coworker or talk to my cousin who's not growing up the same way and be like, you know, I'm just really struggling. I don't know if I want to be polygamist or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to have sister wives. Then they, they wouldn't even relate to me questioning it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they would just be like, well, of course you don't want to have sister wives. And that's the end of it. Mm -hmm. But then if I were to bring up any struggles with friends inside, it's like the same on the other end. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, I, I mentioned to a friend, I was like, I just don't know how comfortable I am with the thought of, you know, this is my husband and one night he's just hanging out with someone else and she's talking crap about me mm-hmm. or like, you know, complaining. And that, happens. that happens, Well, oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, I'm happening. sure. Like, yeah, uh-huh. sure. you know, complaining about the way I operate to my husband and what is he supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. that's also his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I just
1: can't imagine. <laughs>
0: so, you know, if I were to bring like a an actual scenario and be like, I have an issue with this, then it would just be shut down right it'd be like well you can't think that way or you know your husband shouldn't do that but yeah so it it just was really hard to find anyone who even related to wanting to do what was right and and valuing certain things about the way that we grew up but also um having issues with it and being open to talk about it
1: so did you go to public school or did you go to a school among the community
0: I went to a private school in okay. the community.
1: and and
2: Paul, what about you? Uh, I went to all public
1: schools. Okay. K through twelve. Did people ask you, like, wait, you are you from this? you you have multiple moms? Like what was there this
2: stigma around this? I'm just curious. Um there was a stigma when I was really young because that was one of the only times when I lived when I was going to school that I lived in the same house as my dad and at least one of his other wives. And I was in like kindergarten Mm -hmm. and the kids in the neighborhood knew. So sometimes they'd walk by the house and yell stuff over the fence Mm -hmm. at the polygamous kids. Um, But for the most part, like I don't really remember any of what they said. So I'm not like offended by any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of our dynamic and my mom and just my small pod family moving around all over the place, it never really came up until high school. And then in high school, I was totally cool with it. So if people asked, I was like, yeah, I'm a polygamous kid. Yeah. So and and there was no Yeah. In Utah, there's no one's gonna be like, Oh, that's strange. Like in like, especially because I went to like Riverton High School, Bingham High School, on the south end of the valley where all these kids from Harriman and Bluffdale, like they already knew yeah. who their neighbors were. So Yeah.
0: I almost remember a shift in like when I was younger, it was like, Oh, keep it quiet or don't say anything, or that's that's why the Anyone, I mean, my family didn't do this, the whole aunt, aunt so-and-so, but that's where that comes from, is just wanting to keep it, you know, that's your aunt, that's not your mom, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as when you're out in public. But I do remember a shift from keeping it hush-hush to people thinking it's cool and asking you a ton of questions Hmm. and wanting to know about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that it, you know, Sister Wives became a hit show is interesting that people... It, people are like, what is this? You know, they're they're genuinely interested. I've, I've watched that show. I want to g- talk about the show, but before that, Paul, um, did you grow up thinking that you would have multiple wives? Were you thinking, my dad is like this? I want to be
2: like my dad. This is the path I have to go down spiritually. What was your thought? Um, honestly, I my dad had to drag me to church until I was 16. And really, honestly, up until that point... I really just thought church was the place that I had to sit and be bored for like mm-hmm. two hours. Ours were like two hours on metal chairs with the organ and the slow, sad, uh-huh. sad hymns. Um, so I don't remember like really caring all that much about it until I until I was sixteen, and then I was like driving out there to like attend things. Um, and there, I mean, honestly, there was probably there was probably like a time where I where I kind of felt that I needed to consider it. Um, But I'm like, I'm just like a super softy emotional guy. Mm. And knowing that my mom was so emotional through her whole life about it, like it it made me like scared to do that because I would know that my wife was in the same situation as Mm -hmm. my mom was. And I know for a fact like, for basically the vast majority of my mom's married life, she just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I was thinking, like, I sh- probably should, mm. but this is gonna feel crappy to everyone. Mm. And it's not gonna be enjoyable and it's not gonna be fun for anyone. But if this is what I'm supposed to mm-hmm. do, then I probably should be serious about Interesting. it. Interesting. Are any of the wives happy in that community?
1: I mean, probably hard to answer. I, I understand that. Like, this isn't the definitive scientific answer on this, but did you see some that did look happy?
0: I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but right. honestly, for me, that was kind of the, the biggest thing that pushed me to make the decision that I did in leaving was the inconsistency with, you know, saying this is how God wants us to live, um... But I look around and I don't see anyone genuinely happy. You know, there are happy people um, and they get joy out of things in their life. But from their marriage or just the like the way their their family operates, I wouldn't say... Mm -hmm.
2: um, Yeah, in public spaces, they did, like a lot of them could appear happy just like that, like... mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. like you wouldn't but al- know. but also there's so much focus on the outside so my mom for example, you know she struggled my entire childhood with depression and but anyone who saw her from the outside would say the opposite hmm. you know because it was put on a happy face um you know this is supposed to bring you joy the whole it's like um you know and I didn't even have the biblical, kind of uh, vocabulary at the time for it. But it's like, you know, if God designed us, if God made us and he's saying, this is how humans are going to flourish and like thrive, then that's not what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So
2: Yeah. And there was this attitude around it too, that if it was easy, everyone would do it. Mm -hmm. And how could, and if like, you know that it's working you know that you're doing what you're supposed to do when you feel the adversary pushing on you to make it feel bad you know mm-hmm. it was like a weird feeling thing where if you're not happy that's the adversary working yeah. against you in your social yeah. marriage it's
1: supposed to be hard like yep yeah, yeah. Exactly. get over yeah. it so uh, uh before you know maybe we talk about the show which might be a light-hearted conversation two things that i think are are, are pretty heavy that i want to talk about um, uh, the first question is I think uh, many people assume, and I just want to get your perspective on this, that uh, polygamy obviously was made up by the guys for more sexual experiences. Is that like like if it's is it 50% spiritual, 50% a sexual thing? like uh, they just want to be with multiple women or like or is that not even a thing that it's truly a spiritual thing? Like reflecting back, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, the dad just wants to have sex with more women. Like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just curious, like, what's your thought on that when it comes to... We just talked about sex on Sunday in the sermon, mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of curious, and we talked about God's design for it. Um, mm. w- you know, what part of this is truly just a spiritual thing, and, and, and it's this burden, but they're doing it for eternity, or is it really just this pleasure-filled thing too? Like, what could you speak to that?
2: I would say at the advent of polygamy it was. It was a physical was a I, would say, like, I would
0: say there's evidence to point towards
2: that Joseph Smith was yeah. all about that aspect and like right. getting caught and then trying to like find a way to or like about to be caught, the Nauvoo Expositor, for instance, mm-hmm. was going to be printing that he was a polygamist, which implied that the people that he was living with did not know. Uh-huh. And so which is why they did the courageous thing to trash the Nauvoo Expositor because he was worried that people were gonna find out but mm-hmm. at the advent I like honestly can I honestly would say that it has a lot more to do with with sex and power
1: mm-hmm.
2: and now um, I would say based on the based on a lot of the the older guys that I know growing up um, I would say that probably a, the vast majority of them married as many women as they do and as a sense of duty mm-hmm. Um it's Not expensive, so much, right? Because you yeah. have all these kids and all these families to take care of. I've heard of that too. Yeah. So yeah, so if it was like I would I would say sex is probably if I'm I it's kind of a guess, but I would say from what I've experienced is probably second on the list Small to like percentage of the it. duty that they're that they're providing to God. Uh-huh. In, wow. in bringing forth a spiritual family. Wow. Thanks yeah. for answering that. Liz, what what would you say to that?
0: Um I think um it's funny because you can look in the Bible and look at the examples of polygamy and yeah, they bad, <laughs> bad examples they kind of show yeah. you like here's how this works out like it that hasn't changed and um you know if Joseph Smith if that was his motivation, you know, personally, it's just not working out for the other people who are following because I I've never seen per I'm okay. I've one example of someone where I felt like they were actively like seeking a wife in order to have sex with other people. Mm-hmm. But from everyone we know, it really is that sense of duty, that sense of um, obligation, the fear if they don't, they're not going to heaven, they're not wow. going to have their family forever. Um, for example, my sister. You know, she was married for six years to her husband, and when they had their um, first—when they had her son, then it was all of a sudden, like, the fear, you know? Mm -hmm. It's fine going along and not feeling the pressure until you have this child who they're saying, if you don't get to heaven, if you don't have an eternal family and do what it takes to create that, then you lose this— child like Mm -hmm. you know you may be in heaven but he's not going to be your kid you're not going to be a family and so it's like this um it's kind of like they used all of the things that humans care about most and made a way to turn it into this Mm -hmm. like you know, carrot in front of your face. Right. Of course, I want my kids and my husband forever. Of course, I want this. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll do it.
2: Yeah, it's only the converts
1: looking for sex. Yeah, the converts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which yeah. your family, Liz, was con a convert.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that's why they did it, but that's just... Yeah. You mentioned yes, that earlier. It seems to be the par for the course for converts. Honestly,
0: anyway. I mean, I think it's... When I know my dad and his first wife, it's weird to me that they even got involved. Like, it is not... <laughs> it's just weird. Like, mm. they don't fit the bill. Um, but there are, I feel like at this point, there are some converts, and they're just kind of a little weird.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what you guys just shared is so valuable, because I think most people watching say, oh, you're just doing this for more sex, and it's okay now because you're a polygamist. They do not understand the sense of duty that these people feel. Yeah, right. Wow, yeah. that is so insightful. All right getting even heavier from that question. Um, uh, Abuse and neglect in polygamous communities. I want to talk about that for a little bit, um, because uh, when you talk about this many kids around, and of course people have seen the 2020 specials with Warren Jeffs and all of that, and uh, I'm on the Holding Out Help Board uh, of Directors, which is a ministry, ministry, a nonprofit here in Utah, helping uh, people thrive after growing up in polygamous communities. So, Um, can you speak a little bit to the neglect and, um, abuse that can happen in these communities? Did that happen in your community? Did it happen? Do you see it in other things? What makes that different than yours? Can you just talk to that for a little bit?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that it definitely is the type of environment where it kind of invites secrecy. Um, because there's no grace, there's no vulnerability or with sin, you know, it's all, it's hiding. And it really is kind of um, all about what's on the outside. And so you, you hide whatever is going on the inside. Um, So I, you know, that, that shows up differently, different people, you know, there will be families that you hear about where, he has a wife that you didn't even know was his wife because he doesn't um he doesn't treat her like a wife you know mm-hmm. she her and her kids are in a trailer or they have a house you know yeah, like out in the desert out in wherever mm-hmm. um so so that thing kind of that happens um it's also just like because it's all kind of merit based mm-hmm. and it's climbing ladders and it's um It's them against you. It's a really, um, it's just kind of like a dog-eat-dog kind of lifestyle. Mm. It's super clicky. And they they like feed on gossip, Mm. basically. So like my household, it was like Sunday dinner, we eat dinner, and then we sit and everyone just gossips about and it's you know because if you don't have like jesus justifying you you're justifying yourself and as long as i'm better than this person then okay i feel good with where i'm at um but i think as far as abuse they're definitely in that same vein it's like it doesn't get talked about victims aren't taken care of victims aren't believed um you know, you can have a guy. I mean, honestly, right now, their prophet has like multiple charges of of sexual abuse, or but allegations, allegations, charges, which mm-hmm. isn't oh, right, right, not charges,
2: which isn't even like unique to him. Mm-hmm. This is like the third or fourth time this exact situation has popped its head up in just that group. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, I think what makes it different than anywhere else, because obviously there's sexual abuse all over the world. I think what makes it different is that you have men in positions and with this status, you know, prophet or apostle or whatever it is, Um, they have this status and they can't clean. They can't show you who they are because they have to live up to the status. And so that's where the hiding really just like becomes part of the culture. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting. Paul, anything you want to say about, because, uh, certain communities, um, young, young people are working all day for pennies, no education. That wasn't your experience. That would be a different community, right?
0: Well, I think we should clarify. So, um, our community, like where when I said before, it's like the mainstream Mormon church with extra moms and more strict rules. It really like the lifestyle. That's what it was, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it wasn't like you have to live on this compound. You know, you can live wherever you want, or and um, we dressed however we wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would have looked at anything that I was ever wearing and guessed that I was Got it. a polygamous kid. Um, So it's funny because while we did grow up that way, like I have friends now who grew up, um, you know, in Colorado city where they did have the hairdos and they did have the dresses with the, the sneakers. And, um, so I'll talk to them and I almost have questions for them in the same way that other people do for me, Mm -hmm. because even though we grew up the same way, it's, um, it's, a totally different um, kind of facet. Yeah. So I
1: appreciate you clarifying that. That's really important. Yeah. And my
2: grandma, my dad's mom is actually from Short Creek. Like her family, um, a lot of them are still, we're still part of the Warren Jeff's crew. Um, So in my family, because it's something that's like entrenched in me and my cousins and, it's like a, it's it's kind of like to some of them like a source of like depression and like frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, it, I don't know exactly what it is like with some of them that have come out, but like I have like two cousins who committed suicide mm. because they had that, my sister committed suicide because of the way that it could have, like, at least for my sister, I feel like a lot has to do with the way that our family was. Mm. And because, like, having my dad be, like, part-time dad sometimes and then having the split between my sister's mom and my dad creating, like, single mom status and then a dad who is, like, taking care of three other families who is not going to be able to, like... I'm jointly sharing you. So I'm going to have to like put a ton of effort into this. He's like got 20 other kids at home. Mm -hmm. So it creates this weird scenario where some people can really feel like alone. Mm -hmm. Even, even in this group um, because the guys are spreading themselves so thin Mm -hmm. in -hmm. their families where the moms that do get neglected or the families that do get neglected that are like living out in a trailer in the desert, like, like living with severe depression Mm -hmm. because like at face value the group here is not typical to what you would see at Colorado city right but even within this group there are people who are experiencing that exact same scenario yeah
0: yeah absolutely and it's like it's like on paper you know you think it would be so much better but Ultimately, like, it's a false gospel. Mm -hmm. Like, they're talking about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You are not saved. Like, you have no freedom or liberation from your sin. You're just acting as if you do and trying to keep up with these rules that, like, I just was... I felt so alone growing up because I was acutely aware of my own sin and... No one was offering me anything to deal with that. They were saying, Jesus died for your sin if you do this.
2: Yeah, everybody's working to save themselves. Like,
0: if you meet this standard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I I already know I'm not going to meet the standard of this place. Like, I don't fit in here. Um, So I guess I don't get Mm -hmm. Jesus either.
1: Wow. So it's it's, uh, a false gospel with all the pressures of any false gospel, any Mm. pressures
2: of religion. Any religion, yeah. Yeah,
1: all the pressures of normal religion mixed with some relational and family dynamics that perpetuate, you use the word alone, and I think you did too, perpetuates uh, loneliness, lack of connection, performance issues, competition. I mean, Mm. you used the way my family was, and I was going to ask, how was your family? But it's, I mean, it's just... uh, was there a lot of love? was there? did you feel alone? Did you feel like you had to compete? Um
2: I don't any, yeah, yeah, i don't I don't necessarily feel alone, like I didn't feel like I was left alone, but I was allowed to be alone enough to get myself in just enough trouble, okay to like put myself in bad situations, sure, and I feel like that's kind of like where, um because I still lived with my dad and I still had that kind of authority figure where me and my sister split because I got into just as much trouble with drugs and alcohol in junior high and high school as she did. But because I had that, my dad like hounding me every Mm -hmm. Sunday to show up to church and then like starting to like pressure me into doing these things, we kind of split. And I feel like I hung on in that sense because I was like starting to kind of look for a higher authority and trying to like position myself in a way to like be spiritually lifted up. But that left my sister with nothing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the research has been done on fatherlessness in our country
1: and what it does to people. And in polygamy, it's a unique form of there is a father, but in some ways, it's fatherlessness as well. Mm -hmm. And I think exploring that is really interesting. Well, you guys have shed a lot of light on the things that I did not understand, which is some of the clear delineations in these groups. I think that's helpful. I don't think people understand that. I definitely don't think people understand the duty that these men feel, spiritually speaking which is religion for them as well. I have to perform. Mm -hmm. I have to do this. Um, Man, this is super helpful.
2: Uh, So let's quickly talk about the show, Sister Wives. Have you ever watched it? Uh, Yeah, I've been on it. You were on it. Yeah. Tell us about that. (laughs) So, uh, fun fact, uh, one of the Sister Wives is my cousin. Um, She is the second wife. Her name is Christine. She's awesome. I, I still talk to her all the time. She's the third wife. She's the third wife, yeah. But Get I mean, right we call. still, we, <laughs> we still see them like her family's amazing. Like they're, they're awesome people, but, uh, funny, like, so she's my cousin, her daughter just married my cousin on my mom's side. Oh, so that was their wedding. What? Three years ago now. Uh, they got married and, uh, called, called me up cause they knew I was playing here at South mountain and they were like, Hey, you, you guys got a band? Uh-huh. So uh, Ben and I put together the crew, and we went oh, down wow. there, and we we played their wedding. We were on the show. Ben Ben was on the show. Oh, with that's us right. And, yeah. yeah,
1: I remember this story. Yep. So interesting. Paul is a great guitar player. You can see him around <laughs> our campuses playing guitar most weekends. Um. So the 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 dress and the shoes. If people you know are in Utah and they're at Hobby Lobby or the grocery store, and you see that that that's connected to the different a different group than what your group was. Yeah. Yeah. For the correct. most part. Yep. All right. Uh. So let's talk. Oh, man, we've already gone forty seven minutes. This is amazing. <laughs> um what when did you leave and what's leaving like what does that mean was there a clear line in the sand was it a slow progression were you ostracized when you left are you you know are you still connected to brothers sisters moms dads i mean talk about the leaving process both mm-hmm. what the process was like and what was your experience but your your why for leaving too i want to hear about those things mm-hmm. liz can we start with you on that one
0: sure yeah um so i mean we left as we got married Um, there, when we were getting to the point where we were really seriously, um, dating, I'd say, was when we really had to kind of hash out, okay, what are we doing? And I remember there was kind of a period where I was like, you know, I knew the whole time that I didn't want to live polygamy. Um, but I, at the same time, didn't have like it's it's funny because when you grow up in such an indoctrinated state you know like your perception of the world is so controlled that the concept of there being another church that had anything of value if I were to leave this was kind of like like that didn't even seem real um because it was just so drilled in, this is the one true church. You know, Joseph Smith started Mormonism saying what, you know, which church is true. And God said none of them, like God came down to him and said none of them. And that's why we have Mormonism. So the the idea of leaving that to go to something else just didn't even really make sense to me. Um, so there was a little bit of a period where I remember talking to my mom and, and, she's like, well, are you going to marry Paul? And I said, well, probably, but I don't think we're going to live polygamy. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave the group? And I was like, I don't know. I don't feel the need to leave, but I don't want to live polygamy. And she's like, why would you even stay if you're not going to live this way? So, and then I was like, yeah, why would I stay? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I kind of came to a point on my own where I knew for sure. And Paul had had some family members or, and people in the, his past who had um, kind of started their marriage that same way. Like, we're going to stay in the group. We're not going to live polygamy. Um, you know, I promise I'll never get a second wife. And then the social pressure kicks in or just years down the road. And you're like, OK, what is our next step? What are we even living for? Um, I think people kind of get, I mean, in following God, you get that way naturally, but when it's all laid out, like here are the steps to please God, um, it can get that way really fast um, when there's like that social pressure involved. Um, So I remember a conversation Paul and I had where he was like, I don't want to promise you that I'm not going to at some point feel like I should be living polygamy. Because I don't want to, you know, get married to you with that understanding and then later on change my mind. Um, And so I just said, you know, I'm not going to ask you to promise me that, but I promise you that I won't. So if you want to pursue a relationship with me any further, then it's like off the table. Um, then we never really talked about it again and we just kept dating so I figured he made a choice (laughs) yeah
2: no my and my exit was was quite a bit different because in that conversation like there was also a lot going inside like about why anyway and like the, the basis for the belief system that's there. So I was like buying books and reading books and, and studying like, um, you know, if people know me, they know I'm a skeptic like at heart and they know that I have to know a reason. And so like in that, like I don't know, I like I was telling her, like I don't know if I'm eventually gonna find something that tells me like this is true. Like it has to be real, you know, like I don't, like I wanted a book to tell me like an exact reason why and not just for a feeling to tell me, like, it needs to pull you this direction. And I read more, and I read as much as I could get my hands on, and it got to a point where I was so frustrated by the lack of real information that it kind of just pushed me over the edge to just being agnostic for a long time because I was like, it's obvious that nobody has answers, Mm because no one can really give a clear reason why we, live, we choose to live this way, the FLDS Church, and no one can give me a clear response as to like what happens when you pray about a thing. Like Everybody was telling me that you're going to have physical responses to the questions that you're asking when you pray. You will feel a burning in your bosom, and you, and you will know. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and was not getting physical. If anything, I was waiting, and nothing was happening. It was drawing me further from God, because I was just getting frustrated that I wasn't feeling anything. And so at that point, I was just like, when we when we decided to step away, I was done with everything. Yeah, and so in that sense,
1: that's not uh, that's not necessarily related to polygamy. I mean, that's just doubt questions. Uh, being misled about what prayer is and how we uh, relate to God. So when you got so you guys met in you know in the church we talked about that uh, in the building maybe um, <laughs> as you guys called it. So you get married and you decide uh, to leave um, do when people leave are they ostracized? Was you, were your parents upset? Did they understand? Did you tell them we're leaving? Was it a slow thing over time? I'm just curious what the, the leaving process is, is like how was that received? by the community?
0: Um, I mean, my my dad was... Uh, me being the eighth child, um, I had the the luxury, I guess, of having adult siblings who had already left mm-hmm. and had already gotten married and then divorced and had already gotten their tattoos. And so I, I didn't have a ton of pressure to like... Right. You know, I have to you know, it's all on me. I didn't have any of that. Um, It wasn't even a conversation really. Um, It's just kind of understood when you stop Mm -hmm. attending and. Yeah. And the
2: community is not this community. Like all the friends that we have, I would still call them my friends. Mm -hmm. Now she and I would probably be asked to leave if we showed up for church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as far as like getting together with family and stuff, that really hasn't changed. Um, One thing I would say, though, at least in my experience, like because my mom, I feel like me and my mom were really close because like I said, I'm a feeler. So I was like there with her when Mm -hmm. she was dealing with depression and stuff like that. So we are kind of on the same level. So she always used to tell me like, you're the you're the special guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like my older brothers, they, they might hear this and be like, oh, well, that's pretty rude. But the, it's true. It's true. Like my mom was like, I was carrying the torch for my mom mm-hmm. to like bring her and her children into the celestial kingdom. And so when, when we were done, she had like cried to me so many times. And even mm-hmm. now, like even as of like a year ago, bawling her eyes out, asking me why I decided to toss everything out that mm-hmm. I knew. And it probably, well, not probably, I'm sure even now, today, in her mind, she's like, there's going to be something I can say that's going to bring him back. Mm. Okay, so let's, uh, man, I, I have even more questions. <laughs>
1: oh, maybe we can hit these really quick. Is, is there formal membership in these comi- communities? Like you said, so what does formal, what does that look like? Is there a piece of paper, a sign on the dotted line? Is there, there's tithing, I'm sure. Like, what, yep. yeah, what is So
0: um, So you have a baptism certificate that's on file. So that's kind of your membership, Mm -hmm. you know, being baptized into it. Um, And then obviously tithing. Same way the Mormon yeah. Church. Okay. It's in
2: a box in a house, not in some encrypted database. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not nearly as fancy as. Is the, there uh, a British is church.
1: there a temple type of thing? Uh, is there a building? Do you what? It's not the same temple as like the Draper Temple, which is just right around the corner from where we're I recording. Mean, but... They
2: would say in the future it will be. But...
0: Okay. <laughs> 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 it's yeah, it's just a building, um, but they do the ordinances, they do the mm-hmm. marriage ceremonies, they do baptism mm-hmm. for the dead. Mm-hmm. Same. Where'd kind you of guys stuff.
2: get married? Uh, Parley's Canyon. Okay. All <laughs> right. So you you were basically out by the time. Yeah. You got yeah. We, yes, were, we were. Yeah. Down. Okay.
0: All
1: right. So let's let's uh, pick up from you were agnostic when you left. Liz, what what would you have said about yourself when during, during this time?
0: Um, I wouldn't have said anything about myself. I was like a free spirit, floater. I I um I had a moment while I was in the group still where I was reading the Bible, and this is the funny thing is, they don't really, like, we didn't read the Bible. We read the Book of Mormon, we do Bible stories, but as far as being, like, well-versed in the Bible or, like, really understanding um, how God defined himself or how Jesus defined himself, like, I just didn't uh, have any of that. So I had a moment in reading in Mark, And I just was struck by, I've been told about Jesus my whole life, but this seems like a different Jesus. Like, this guy seems different. And it was just, um, like, I couldn't let go of that. So as we left, I think, you know, we have this whole structure of beliefs and this whole path laid out. You know, if you do this, this, and this, this is the reward you'll get. This is where you'll end up. And all of that kind of fell away, and I think just that desire to like know, like, okay, who's like Jesus? Who does who does he say he is? Just stuck with me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, she invited missionaries over to our house in South Salt Lake too. Like, mm-hmm. she was she was still like searching, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I was well out. <laughs> I was just like, yeah,
0: like, I, I just knew I needed Jesus. Um, but what's funny too is with the Mormonism, like. Because they're so, it's so fear-based, you know, we'd have moments and I'm like, should we just like go be Mormons just in case they're right? Like,
1: Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Do people leave your community and just kind of say, well, we'll just be Mormons now? Yeah. So yes, all the time. All the time. All right. So what's, uh, maybe Paul, uh, when did you guys show up at South Mountain? Was it years after that? Was it pretty close? How did um, you get here? What was that like?
2: Yeah, so we were married in 2010. We had our first in 2012. And, um, probably about, I mean, we had missionaries again at our house, but I, this was like our upstairs neighbors being like, Hey, go downstairs and talk yeah. to these people. Um, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit and like talking about like, at least in my head, it was like, let's find a community to raise our daughter in, to be with people because we had left the church behind and I was working, she was working. We didn't have a community And so I was like, yeah, let's, if anything, let's find a community of people, which is literally the, the, the only reason I was even open to showing up at South Mountain when Lizzie suggested it. Did you find it on Google or did you know people that went here?
0: So, um, it was really random. So I had gone once, uh, when they were in the warehouse, uh, just randomly with my sister. So, and that was my only experience of like a Christian church, um, that ever. So, um, and that was years and years ago when I was like 14. So, um, by this time, like that was just my only concept of like a church that's not the Mormon church. That's not where we grew up. Um, and so I had talked to Paul and I was like, you know, do you want to check this out? Let's go, let's go. So we, um, we'd kind of plan and then Saturday night would come around and be like, Hey, you want to go tomorrow? And no, let's sleep in. Okay. Yeah. We'll go next week or something.
2: Football tomorrow. So probably not.
0: So we did that for probably three months. Um, and then I was talking to a friend at, um, at work at eBay and they said they went to South mountain. I'm like, Oh, I've been meaning to go to South mountain for a few months now. So he was like, you guys should come. You can sit by me and, and that was that.
1: Wow, what do you remember from that experience? What was the first Sunday like, Paul? You remember anything? I mean, you you were playing guitar by
2: this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I she <laughs> was been, actually on stage. No, I had been <laughs> play, I had been playing guitar for like ten years, and so that was like one of those things. Like, showed up, and it was big and bold. You know, like I was told when I when we were in the FLDS church that you do not play guitar in church. You just don't. I got like I strummed my guitar once at a youth conference thing, and I got chastised. So like mm-hmm. I came in and I was like this is actually really nice like they not only are playing instruments but the lyrics actually mean something and they're really good at what they do so I was like I can at least enjoy this like as far as the the uh the messages and stuff like that like I was still kind of checked out so I can I can kind of vaguely remember the themes but I just kind of was like yeah the music is mm-hmm. good I guess and it's not 2 hours long and the chairs are comfy so <laughs> it's a community let's go yeah. All right, so uh, when did you decide,
1: um, actually, uh, biblical Christianity is for me, Jesus is who He says He is, He did what He said He would do, and I'm saying yes to trusting Him as my authority. When did that happen, and how?
0: Um, I mean, that was like a process of kind of unpacking um, our Mormon baggage, you know? So we came here, and it was, I was like, this is what I want. Like, you know, that Jesus that I remember that I can't let go of, that's like, I that's here. I can tell. Um, and, but at the same time, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I still had this concept of um, Jesus loves me enough to die for me, but God is uh, unpleasable, unapproachable. Um, I probably need to change some of my lifestyle habits before I can really have him. Like I remember wanting to worship so bad, but it was like I just didn't feel good enough. Um, and going to the class, um, at the time it was transitions, now turning point, um, I remember It was when they were talking about the Trinity and explaining, like, these aren't two separate, um, you know, independent, like, this is God. Mm -hmm. He is huge. Mm. Um, And, like, if I have access to Jesus, I have access to the God of the universe the same way. Um, And that was huge for me. Mm. Um, And at that point, I was like, okay, I want to like, I want to know God, I need to read the Bible. I trust it. Like, you know, they Mormonism kind of gives you this, uh, mistrust of the Bible and they helped kind of explain historically, like that, that doesn't make sense. And so I was able to move forward in like learning in a less fearful way.
2: Mm -hmm. Paul, how about for you? So for me, the process was a bit longer because like I said, even when I came, I was not necessarily like dying to worship. It was like, you know, like it's good. Like it was fine. And it was like a community. Um, uh, but like I went away to Spain to do work and Lizzie signed us up for a small group while I was gone. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Yeah. So I was completely (laughs) unaware. Um, then I got back, and the Sunday after I came back, she was like, oh, by the way, we have a small group today. Uh, and then I met Evan, who's, like, one of my best friends now, like...
0: Yeah, uh, so you're welcome.
2: Yeah, right? <laughs> no, in the long run, it was great. But no, uh, but Evan could tell, like, that it was going to take more than for me to, like, to have wanted it and just show up. So Evan was, like, sending me things, like, you need to get educated on this. Like, like you want to know... And I want to help you know. So he was like giving me information Mm -hmm. and not about like, this is the way you should feel about it. It's like, no, here's like some hard factual stuff that will help. Like, I mean, if if you don't know, like William Lane Craig, like that dude is not talking about feelings. He's talking about everything that is like real. And that's like something I had never experienced before. And so I think like it took me like probably six or seven months, like solid months of like, okay, I, I asked to know. Like, mm-hmm. in the beginning, like, I left because I wanted to know, and I didn't know. And I asked to know, and all of a sudden, like, I was just being flooded with wow. information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, finally, it clicked, and I was just like, this is the thing that I wanted. I didn't want feelings. I wanted to know. I wanted to back it up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so then shortly after that, Evan baptized me. So. Wow, fantastic. What a story, you
1: guys. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love every bit of this. We're going to do a series on the Trinity this year in 2021. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Paul, as you were talking, I was thinking back to our, a series we did a couple months ago called Reality Check, where Christianity is the best explanation of the way the world is. Like, yep. like If it's true, then we should all be Christians, because if, if we want to follow truth, like, and if it's not true, then we should chuck it. Throw it away. None of us should be Christians if it's not true. Mm-hmm. If it is true, we want to invite everybody to yep. embrace truth. I immediately so, bought that book, so... That book? Really Have you book. read it? Not yet, because okay. I'm I'm, <laughs> in the, I'm
2: deep in C.S. Lewis right now. You're like now. eight books behind... You're like, okay, that's my eighth book. Yeah. I'll get to <laughs> it. Yeah, I bought the C.S. Lewis, like, full yeah. gospel thing, so I'm I'm deep in that right so now. So cool.
1: All right, two quick questions. This might be the longest <laughs> podcast uh, we've ever done, and that's fine, because uh, there's two of you, so it can be twice as long. Um <laughs> What is it uh, about SMCC um, that uh, resonates most with, most with you now? So you've called SMCC home. I'm doing some quick math. You got married in 2010. That you went to SMCC maybe in the years to follow. So you've been here maybe seven, eight yep, years. 2013. 20, eight years. Okay, yeah. eight yeah. years. So after eight years, what resonates with you most about this place? Why do you continue to call it home?
0: Um, I think just like belong before you believe, you know, people like our small group investing in us when like we had nothing to offer them, right? Like, but they just wanted to give us this and because they love it. It's so real to them. And like Jesus is such a part of us. Like, I want to be in a place where I can give that to other people, because mm-hmm. I can't not be doing, G- like, sharing Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. it, this is the perfect place to be able to do that. Um, and just coming from where we came from, it's all the more precious to me. Like, mm-hmm. our church community is literally one of the most beautiful things in my life, and... Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's a great way to say it. It really is. Yeah. Paul? And also, like, along with the values that we have at SMCC, I feel like one key thing to me is the hopeful message, but actually helpful mm. message. Um, we were talking on the way over here. Is like people people in the FLDS church won't talk to me about God because I have tattoos. Like, that's mm. one thing. And I showed up here even from day one, and it wasn't a thing. And the community that we have, they still weren't like, oh, he doesn't care about God because he has tattoos. They're still like, you know what? You get to know him, and we're going to give you helpful information mm. that you can actually know
1: things. Mm. And Yeah, wow. The running joke now is you can't even work here unless you have tattoos. Right. Or you're Paul Robing, the founding pastor. <laughs> um, what, last question. Uh, what would you say to anybody listening who... Um, is in a faith crisis, uh, perhaps grew up inside of religion? Um, or what would you say to people who call SMCC home just to thank them and encourage them for uh, what this place has meant and their contribution to that?
2: Um, honestly, what I would say is is be bold in the questions that you're asking. Um, in the LDS church and the FLDS church, questioning is not necessarily acceptable. Mm. And... I feel like for me it wasn't, and I feel like if you're out there and you're like having the questions, like ask the tough questions. Mm-hmm. Find a pastor, find Pastor Eric, and ask mm-hmm. him all the hardest questions you can think of. Please, I love that. People <laughs> yeah, do it all the time. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I, I bugged Rick so many times, Rick, like it's seven years ago, Rick. Uh, I, I bugged him so many times about the most random, obscure LDS theology because it was just like. Okay, I'm here and now I need to know this. Now I need to know this. Like be bold in the questioning and don't don't hide anything. Any of the doubts, like just put it out there. And I love that. The answers that we get in life are only as good as the questions that we
1: ask. Yeah. So ask great questions. Yeah, that's awesome. And the
2: community answered them. Like the community here at SMCC answered them and I never felt except one time, <laughs> never <laughs> felt the question was dumb. And the reason why is because I texted Pastor Rick and I said what was the quote? What did I ask him? Oh, I was like, does the Bible say anything about three degrees of glory? And he just responded with a single sentence that was like, no, comma, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> well,
1: there is a passage. Yeah, Well, the answer is no, not three degrees of glory. The Apostle Paul one time talks about three things that uh, sound like three degrees of glory, but of course are not, once you unpack mm. the context. Right. Liz, what would you say to people? As we wrap up.
0: Um I would say that yeah to kind of echo Paul like ask your questions but also like bring your questions to God like God is faithful to like answer everything like he's he's on he's on the other side of every single hurt every single like mistake every single shameful feeling like you don't have to justify yourself. Like, God is big enough to handle all of it, so just push into Him.
1: Awesome. Well, Paul, Liz, thank you so much for giving over an hour of your time uh, to help our listeners understand something that's a big part of Utah, which would be polygamous culture. Uh, I understand it now better than, than I ever have, and so I appreciate that, and And then thank you for just encouraging us on uh, our pursuit of truth and um, sharing your story. I think it's going to be very encouraging uh, to so many people. So people can find you guys at the Draper campus most Sundays, probably every Sunday. (laughs) Look for the guy with the beard, shredding on the guitar with a tattoo of a bear on his forearm, right? Yeah, I've seen that (laughs) tattoo from the seats. (laughs) Um, Hey, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this, leave a review, share it. We will be back next week for the final story. Uh, in this season. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you very soon.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.